what it is, RJLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call at RadioJustice.org. We're something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today on Conversation Peace, we highlight your pathway home, a woman and children's shelter in South Central Los Angeles. We have its CEO, Les Higgins, continuing the legacy of his father, Dr. Frank Higgins Sr., and one of the shelter's guests, January Dove, who will share her journey of finding shelter, finding her pathway home. Welcome to Conversation Peace. Welcome to Conversation Peace, Pastor Les and January Dove. Thank, thank you. For thank you for having me. us here. Thank you. Right. I'm, I'm so glad to be able to connect, reconnect with Pastor Les. Right. It's been like 10 years almost. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. It's, yeah. been, it's been quite some time. Yeah. yeah I am yeah. so glad that your wife, yeah. Tasha Higgins, yeah. reached out to me on Facebook and said, you have to do a show with Les. <laughs> and how can we get that done? Yeah, and since yeah. it was on Facebook and it was public, I couldn't just tell her, just because I know you guys. Right, but, right, right. <laughs> but right. now it's out now. Yeah. But I'm so glad that, yeah. that you are continuing the legacy of your father, Dr. Frank Higgins Sr. Yes, yeah, yeah. And tell us, what is your father's legacy in the community with the black church? And just... In, in the community period. Yeah. Well, he was a pastor for almost 40 years in this community, and um, he connected with the uh, both the spiritual and social issues of the community, and he was recognized by a lot of the uh, uh, members in this community for the work that he's done over the years. And um, I just knew him as dad, but um, he raised us, and um, um, he blessed us with both spiritual and uh, um, social care for people. And... Um, um, he was a pastor um, at Truway Baptist Church, and he had a burden on his heart to reach out to the community in different ways. And so um, there was a time um, when he was uh, at the church late, and there was a lady found out in, a, in the alley. And that helped lead to him starting a women's children's shelter. He opened the doors of the church and let her sleep there. And um, they, the church had already, in the late 80s, um, had a um, food uh, food pantry for the community. It started first with the once-a-week uh, pantry and then later on became t- um, two times a week. And we had some assistance from other organizations to provide food and meals. And so um, eventually he started helping um, other organizations start shelters. And so they helped start uh, nine shelters. And so um, eventually it led to us starting a shelter on our facility at that time. And so uh, we've been um, running that shelter for many years. And um, my brother, uh, Frank Jr., um, before he passed, he was running the shelter for about 20 years. And so uh, um, I've taken over the mantle to continue on with the vision of trying to not only um, shelter the women and children, but also provide for them the empowerment they need, the resources they need to, as we call it, uh, make your, you know, uh, to have a pathway to home and a pathway to uh, um, their life and their success and the things that they feel they've called to do. Now, what were some of the things that your father was involved in in regards to politics and and Los Angeles? Well, he was the president of the Baptist Ministers Conference, and at that time there were over 400 ministers, and as a result, um, that uh, um, allowed him to connect with um, the needs of the people and to communicate that with um, the leaders in the community. And so uh, um, so that that developed a good relationship, I would say, a church and uh, our faith-based uh, community relationship with the uh, local um, government. And as a result, I believe we were able to do a lot of good things and inspire other organizations to do good things as well. 
500 members. Is that is that organization still in existence? Yes, it's still in existence, and there's been several uh, presidents since him. And so, yeah, Baptist Minutes Conference still is in his existence, yes. Now, you said um, when we were doing a pre-interview that your father, he fought for economic development. Yes. Um, a few years ago, um, he was honored. They put up a plaque, uh, Dr. Frank J. Higgins Plaza, um, um, on 92nd in San Pedro in honor of him. And I got to hear some of the uh, um, former council members and so forth who uh, share with us some of the things that he did before I was even born. And one of the things that he was involved in is making sure that there was parity in um, insurance, for example. Some African-Americans who were trying to develop businesses or, or trying to grow um, their churches or families, um, there was uh, um, not parity when it comes to insurance uh, premiums. And so he fought for that. Um, he also fought um, um, to help keep uh, General Motors Van Nuys open. And um, when he when they went there, there was a uh, there was a documentary um, about it. And um, in that documentary, uh, uh, he came there and people he used the phrase, you thought we were coming here, you know, weak, but you didn't realize you had a tiger by the tail. So that became the name of the documentary, a tiger by the tail. And it was the fight to keep General Motors Van Nuys open. The goal there was, of course, to make sure there was a opportunity for jobs for people in the community. And so uh, he has helped uh, other organizations get uh, launched, other schools get launched, and has served on a board, of, board of directors or other entities that have uh, been trying to uh, meet the needs of what uh, is in the community at, during his lifetime. Is that GM um, yeah. still in Van Nuys? No, I think they eventually closed down years later. Yeah, yeah, okay. they're outsourced by technology and so forth, you know. Right, yeah. right. And you also said that your your father took a stance against police violence. Yes, um, because he was who he was and his influence, he was able to have dialogue with the LAPD, also, also dialogue with the uh, Los Angeles Sheriff, and um, they respected him and um, and able to give um, a perspective that you wouldn't give unless you are actively engaged in connecting with the people in the community. And so he was a voice in the community in calling out um, when there was not a, um, a fair treatment of local uh, uh, citizens. And so, um, yeah, I appreciated that about him. And now your mother, the mm -hmm. first lady, Laura mm -hmm. B. Higgins. Yeah. What was her role? My wife, or my, 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 my father's wife, <laughs> my, my uh, mother, um, a brilliant lady. She was a straight-A student valedictorian at her school, and um, she played a role of both support and wisdom um, for my father. Um, she, one of the things I remember my father telling me as we were driving along the road, he said, um, if it wasn't for my wife, I would have made some dumb decisions. And that made me think about who do I want to marry? What do I look for in a wife? And... Um, there, I, you know, I was blessed with my wife, and she helps me make wiser decisions, you know. And so I think God blessed uh, my father with my mother. They were married for over 43 years, and um, she was uh, um, both uh, serving in the community as well as serving uh, in the church. And so um, 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 it's, it's the, the, the interesting thing is you never really get to know some people until when they're gone. And so um, at her service— uh, one of the passages shared the testimony of how he impact, she impacted their lives, you know. And then to hear from my older cousins and so forth, that family reunions, those are things that were a blessing to me because, again, she was just mom, you know. And um, even though she battled um, with health problems and so forth, she tried to make sure we had a safe and loving environment. And so um, that's one thing I appreciate about her. And you had also told me that your father had a working or a prayerful relationship with the late Johnny Cochran. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw him. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. He, he saw him at a uh, at a awards banquet. And so they connected and talked um, during that time. Um, I don't think it was a long term relationship, but they both were, uh, were recognized. But there was a movie or a, 
a Netflix TV show that came out recently, and um, in that show, his name was mentioned. My father, you know, the Honorable Dr. Uh, Frank Higgins was mentioned, so we got, uh, you know, uh, people texting us and um, sending Facebook comments about it, you know. So it was great to know, again, this is your dad, but to see how uh, influential and helpful to people um, he had been, to be a source of wisdom. That's, I would say, more than anything, um, politicians will come to him for wisdom and guidance. And that's, I think, is uh, um, what was great in this community. Now, and I, and I want everybody to know that um, the dynamics of you guys' family, because there's, what, nine of you guys? Yeah, nine, uh, nine uh, um, eight boys, one girl. Yeah, and so uh, um, my father, I appreciate that he gave a um, a both a spiritual and um, um, and provided wisdom for us. Um, he wasn't a, a mean dad, and he, uh, I, I, you know, people when I was growing up, they said, "Is your dad strict?" I said, "No, he's just straight. You know, he's just straight with you." And uh, I appreciated that about him. Um, Many times when we're driving in the car, there are times where he would just give uh, uh, um, a few words of wisdom. And the one that stood out to me is right when I was headed out to college, he said, um, um, some people, when they go to college, they confuse freedom with wildness. And that just one phrase said something to me that college is not a time that I need to be wild. It means I'm free now to do the things that have been invested in me by my church and by my uh, family and my older siblings. And so I appreciated it about my father. He wasn't a big lecturer. He was someone who just gave words of wisdom. And I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 It sounds like your father most definitely deserved, at the very least, the plaza to be named after him. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, I'm glad that um, whoever the idea that was, um, we we always need to have um, heroes in the community. And... um, Many times when we think of, for example, Black History Month, um, there may be people that we don't know personally, and they have very inspirational stories. And But sometimes it's a blessing to have people who you know who are close to you. That might be that minister in the church, the lady playing on the piano. And um, the other day, or a few years ago, um, during Black History Month in another church, uh, it was great to hear um, how um, a lady, she was a retired teacher, but uh, even though she was tiring and taking care of her husband who was ill, she had a business idea, and it was an electronic business idea. And many times you stereotype people not knowing electronics in their 50s, 60s, 70s, or whatever. But she had a, she had a business that she was preparing to start, you know, and I, I appreciate that. And, but you would never know that because she sits humbly just, you know, serving at her church, you know. So I love the opportunity to hear the people behind the scenes as well as um, the stories of, of uh, um um, what people have done and how they have contributed to other people's lives. So, yeah, yeah. Right, so those black history moments are right there near us. Yeah. If we just take a look and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people have so many stories and so many. There was that generation who really had a love and care for your fellow man. And that was, it's great to know that it inspires you. And then you can pass that down to your own family. And your father when he saw the woman in in the alley mm-hmm. was this was this before the emergency shelter for the homeless and food kitchen was yeah. established yeah it was before that 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 basically inspired him um we had the uh the food kitchen going and then he just saw how can we extend more what can we do more we have this facility we have this building god blessed us with the sunday school class and things like that and so that eventually led to some of those sunday school classes becoming a shelter and then um, as time went on, he raised funds and then we added on to the shelter. And um, so, yeah, it was um, 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 that was the if you say the linchpin that said, how can we better help the community with simple things? We have a building. Let's use that building for the community, not just uh, only a place of worship, but a place in where we can um, truly serve God by loving other people. Yeah. OK, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how you guys got to the point of becoming Triangle Christian Family Preservation Network and, of course, Triangle Christian Services, Inc. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong. You're listening to Conversation Piece on RadioJustice.org with Les Higgins, 
pastor of True Way Missionary Baptist Church, CEO of Triangle Christian Services. And when we come back, we will also hear from January Dove, one of the recipients of the Triangle Christian Services. We'll be right back. Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. But now I see how you were there for me. And I can say I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm better. Much better. When I look back over all you brought me through, I can see that you were the one I held on to, and I never, never could have made it. Oh, I never could have made it. Welcome back to Conversation Piece. I am your host, Angela Birdsong, with your Pathway Home providing shelter for women and children with guests Les Higgins and January Dove of Triangle Christian Services. Pastor Les, before we went to the break, we were just following the the timeline of how the the shelter it went from emergency shelter to where you guys actually made an addition to the church back in October um twenty first, nineteen ninety where it was the purpose of sheltering 30 homeless people. And at that time, was it specifically still for women and children like it is now? Or what was it back then? Do you, do you know? Yeah, it, had already, it has always been a women and children shelter. Um, some of the other shelters that my father was affiliated with were um, one wing was for men and the other wings was for women and children. But our particular facility on uh, 92nd and San Pedro, it's been dedicated to women and children shelter since its inception. Yeah. And then in January 1993, that's when you guys connected with the Family Preservation. Yes, yes. That was a, that's a wonderful program. Um, it, it's a, a partnership with the Department of Children and Family Services. And the goal is to strengthen families and to keep families together. And by giving them the resources and tools necessary to um, to repair um, what's made transpired in their household, as well as the tools necessary to grow and thrive. And so um, we are one of many um, contractors with DCFS, uh, and we've had this program for about 23 years. And so it's a separate program, separate um, 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 administration, um, and it's been it, – it was the uh, prototype – for many of the family preservation programs throughout the nation. In fact, um, the uh, First Lady, Hillary Clinton, at the time, she came out and visited it, um, and then we were also um, recognized by Time magazine. And so um, um, the goal is uh, what can we do if we strive to keep the families together as opposed to separating them um, in foster care? There's that need, obviously, but how can we be proactive in... um, healing families and helping those families stay together and thrive. And so we provide a licensed clinical social worker um, to supervise a team of in-home outreach counselors and um, what we call T&D worker, t- uh, uh, teaching and demonstration workers. And they go into home and um, they uh, um, um, observe and help support the family on a weekly basis. And the T&D workers, they go in as well in teaching them basic life skills and cleaning and so forth and um, helping the children thrive. And so um, um, it's been a great work, and um, I'm excited about what uh, they're doing now as far as increasing both the quality as well as um, new practices um, in, in or services in helping provide for the needs of those families. And you said that... You, with the Family Preservation Program, that's part of Defeat um, Department of Family Children Services. Mm-hmm. Do they um, provide all of the other type of support for any mental health, for um, health care? How yeah. does how does that work? Yes, depending on the need of the family. Um, when a case comes to um, DCFS attention and it's for to us, for example, each agency is unique, um, we have what's called MCPC meeting. And in that meeting, um, 
the, uh, various agencies, including Department of Mental Health and any other agency that is that is you know needed um, for those MCPC meetings. The social worker, Department of Children's Family Service, uh, um, and our um, in-home outreach counselors and so forth. We come up with a plan of action to help support the family, and then reevaluate that um, at different intervals and in between the time in which we uh, conduct the services. How do you guys find find your clients? Our clients are referred to us from DCFS, yes. And um, um, we have a once-a-month meeting called our roundtable with other agencies and a family preservation branch or wing of DCFS. And in there, we both get an update of a general understanding of what is the need, as well as we have a task force meeting for um, uh, the regional um, 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 agencies within our region. We're particularly in SPA 6, Service Area 6, and we have a task force meeting once a month as well where we're able to let them know um, how many cases we can handle um, based off of um, our current uh, um, caseload. And then um, so we work it out with the uh, um, the liaisons at, uh, D- with DCFS, and we work it out um, um, with our task force meetings and roundtable meetings. And and here we have January Dove. <laughs> Hello. Hi. And so January, we know that you are a benefactor from the Triangle Christian Services. Yes. How long have you been there? For a little over a year now. A little over a year. And I know that Pastor Les had um, told me that he likes to keep the families there um, at least a year so that the children are are stabled, um, especially with being in school. Yes. Yeah. And, and so you have children also. Yes, I do. I have um, six children, two that are in school. And um, at the shelter, they have tutoring on Thursday. So it really helps, you know, with extra help with them and like classwork and stuff like that, that they may need extra help with. So they get that one-on-one attention that they may need to help um, them grow more in what they're lacking in at school. Now, how did you end up coming to the shelter? What what road led you to to being homeless? Tell us your story. Who are you? Um, well, I grew up in Lakewood, California. I graduated from Cerritos High School. My grandparents always has a home in there there in Lakewood and um my grandmother left when I was about to graduate before 2006. In 2006, she went to Louisiana, so it was just my grandfather and I and my brother. Um, at around 2015, well, 2013, actually, um, my grandfather had got sick. Um, he had a tumor on the right side of his brain, so he had to get that operated on. Um, and... When um, he got that operated on, he was told, you know, not to smoke cigarettes. He was a smoker or or drive due to medication. So um, my grandmother came from Louisiana to help assist in taking care of him. And um, at the time I had stayed in Victorville, so I would come back and forth to help as well. Um, so I, I would say a couple months I went by. Um, we were away, and he wanted a cigarette. So he went to the local um, smoke shop, and he went to light his cigarette, and he had fell backwards, like I passed out, and hit his head on the concrete pillar. And from where they did surgery at, it went to the other side, so they had to... Um, have an emergency operation on the other side of his brain, which caused him to um, not be able to take care of himself anymore and um, caused um, memory, severe memory, memory loss. So um, they put him into a nursery home, nursery home. And I came from Victorville back to Lakewood to help take care of the home. Um, in 2012, my grandfather went, my grandfather's niece um, sent him to Louisiana 
to to be around them. But my grandmother ended up taking care of him. So I stayed at the house with, um, at the time, two of my, my two oldest kids. So we helped, you know, um, take care of the home and stuff like that. And um, I would say it was around 2014 where um, after I had my daughter where it was like they was taking out refinance, refinance mortgages on the home. Um, so they were taking out the loans and we started getting um, letters in the mail asking to pay that back but we didn't have the money and my grandmother and grandfather were both in Louisiana so me myself I didn't know how to deal with the situation you know and and my grandmother she just always was like it's gonna work out you know just pray and we gonna figure this out it's gonna come all you know back together but the people that she had help with the you know, the loan situation and how to fight that due to them knowing the situation and where they were. Um, they took advantage of the situation. Um, we start getting notices, you know, you're going to have to move out. Um, my grandmother hired a lawyer and the lawyer always like insisted, no, it's okay. You don't have to move out. You know, don't take no deals from anyone. Whoever comes to the house, just say no. Talk to the lawyer. So me not knowing much, you know, just getting what my grandmother tells me, like, just do what he says. You know, he knows what he's talking about. Just do it. I would say, okay, well, are you sure? Have you asked anybody else about this? Like, well, you know, she was like, no, just do it. So we we did as he said, and it didn't go as... He had said um, after he said that it was after Christmas, um, it was January 2nd, 2015, when we got a three day notice from the police that you have to get out. Then the lawyer never came back. My grandmother never heard from him. And we started um, got vouchers from the county building and we would stay in the hotel for two weeks. Then after the vouchers was up, we stayed in the in the car. And then um, after that, I stayed with um, my brother's then girlfriend. So that's a little bit of the road of what got me there. I stayed with my brother's girlfriend for about a year. And then... Um, my brother had left, and she wasn't too fond of that. So when he had left, um, she kind of, like, didn't want to help us anymore. So we went back to, you know, staying in the hotels for a little bit. At the time, I was working at Fresh and Meaty. So stayed in the hotel for two more weeks. And then my friend was like, I know where we can go. I know someone that, you know... So you don't have to sleep in a car anymore with the kids. And um, so it was me and my five little ones at the time now. And uh, we went to see a pastor at another church. And then she said, I have the perfect place, you know, go on 92nd San Pedro. And my friend was like, OK, so we go. And then I walk in. And I saw Miss Cook. And she was <laughs> like, well, what do you need? And I said, well, I just, I need a place to stay, you know, me and my kids. And, you know, I don't have any money. She was like, well, I didn't ask you all that. I just asked, you know, what you need. Tell me how we can help you. And and I told her, and that night was my first night. I was, you know, not knowing how it was going to go. Um, I heard a lot of stories, you know, you know, about shelters and, you know, how they're unsafe and I was very scared, but that's not the vibe that I got from, you know, talking to Miss Cook. And then I met with Reverend Les and he, you know, gave us the guidelines of the of the um, shelter, told us, you know, we have weekly meetings, you know, 
So at that time, October 17th was the, my first day in the shelter, and I, I felt safe, but my own personal feeling was I felt more like I had failed. Your, now, who brought you to Triangle Christian Services? Um, she's my kid's babysitter, and she's also a friend. Um, we went to talk to a pastor at, an, at another church uh, that she knew. And she was like, well, I know where you can take her, you know, that where she would um, like it. And um, she was like, okay. So she sent us over on to 92nd in Manchester, Triangle Christian Services. And um, she was like, talk to Miss Cook. She, she's going to do it. You know, she's going to help you out. She knows what to do. She's going to take care of you. So she was like, okay. So we get in the car and, you know, um, it was right before work. So taking all the kids and we go there and Miss Cook is like, well, what do you need? You know, so I told her um, we need a place to to stay. Um, we were staying in a, mo- a hotel, but um, I got two more weeks before I get paid again. So <laughs> we can't stay in a motel anymore. And so she said, well, um, do you have a place to stay tonight? And I said, no. She said, okay, so do you need a place to stay tonight? And at first I was kind of hesitant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, I'm asking you a question. So I said, yes, ma'am. And so she was like, okay, well, come on in tonight with the kids. And, you know, we meet um, Reverend Les. And so we did. And that next morning or afternoon, I, I met with Reverend Les. And um, he basically told us about the program and everything. And um, went from there. You You were saying that uh, when you came there, you were feeling less than? Yes. Um, because i never been in that situation before. Um, and I wish I knew how to help more. I feel like I, I didn't help my grandmother as much as I feel like I could have. But on the other side, I didn't know how to. So it was like out of my control but yeah I was still racking in my brain like what could I have done like that was the house that you know me and my brother grew up in um my oldest son grew up there he went to school the same elementary that I went to so I was thankful that we had a place that was safe for my kids to sleep and we didn't have to sleep in a car anymore but you know that part was above anything the greatest feeling, but then at the same time, you have this other part of, well, the devil saying you could have did more, you know, like you failed. Now your kids is here. Now they're, you know, you're never going to get out this situation. And it was like, well, now what do I do? So how do I get out of this? Or where do I go now? Or I don't have family in California. All my family is in Louisiana. So there's really nowhere else for me to go. So... It was like um, pathway was my option. And the reason why God brought me there, I it was unclear to me. So I didn't know, you know, the steps to take. Um, and when I got there, I, I still had my job and then a car. So I was like, OK, well, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And I have these plans. And then the week after I was taking my kids to school. And my car was going up the hill on High Park, and my car just shut off. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, oh, no. And I get out, and I'm trying to, like, lift the hood and see if I could see what's going on. (laughs) The only thing I saw was the oil light was on. So I go to the store, and I'm just, I bought, like, three bottles of oil. Not knowing if it was the right kind or anything. And I'm just pouring oil into the engine. And it still would not turn on. So my boyfriend, he comes. I'm calling him. I'm telling him what's going on. He's like, are you sure you got oil? Did you put the right oil in there? And I'm like, just please come. I'm about to be late to work. The kids is about to be late to school. And so he comes. And we push it a little bit. And it starts. And then... We went to turn around and it cut off. So I had to leave my car there and I started going back and forth from the shelter to work on the bus. And then I'm letting my 
supervisor know, you know, what's going on. No, I may be a little late because, you know, now I have to, like, work around public transportation. And at this time, it's just like, oh, goodness. Just more challenges. It's more challenges. Like, now that's falling apart. And then after that, they, they were understanding for a little bit until it got, like, me being late. You know, like, despite of you should still be on time, which I understood. But it was like, okay. I have a lot that I, I'm not knowing how to deal with this, these situations. And um, it was it was more of like, like battling within myself mm-hmm. to get there and to figure out how to get them to understand. Like in my mind, it's like I'm telling you calmly, you know, what's going on. But in my mind, I'm screaming like, can't you see like I'm having a hard time? Like everything's just falling apart in matters of time. And then um, after that, I would say like a week after I had lost that job. So now I'm at home with the kids and I'm just trying to figure out, okay, Lord, like now what? Like why am I getting punished? Or what did I do? You know, and um I would say it was that that Tuesdays we had uh, group meetings and Reverend Les said, Well, what's going right? And in my mind I'm like, nothing. Everything's going wrong. Right. <laughs> Everything's going wrong. But then he said, Well, um he had introduced all of us, because I, I was new and to the group. So I introduced everybody, and then he said, um, it was, I think I'm going to say it right, um, the norm, the storm, and then... Um, so what norm, norm, norming, norming, right, what is the storming, storming, norming, and performing. Yes, forming, norming, so storming, and performing. model of group uh, connections. And so, yeah, go ahead, I'll let you tell it. Yeah, so... <laughs> When he brought that up and explained all of it, and then he used this and he said it's like weeds, mm. like um, you're in a garden, and then you have you have flowers, and then you have the weeds that pop out, and then you have to pick the weeds out. So it's like what we were going through. Like even though it was a different topic, it spoke to me personally because it was like. Those were my weeds, and I, I'm picking those weeds out, but I'm, it's like the devil is adding more weeds to what I'm picking out, and mm. I didn't know how to pick the weeds out that I where I needed to get past the storming. Mm. And I felt like I was always storming, and then mentally and and just like spiritually. And... I think it was a week after that, Miss Cook had came to me and she said, you know what? You need to go to church. Hmm. I said, Miss Cook, I don't go to church. I said, because every time I try to go to church, I feel like the sermon starts like being focused on me and having tattoos or piercings in a place that I shouldn't have them. And I start to feel like a like I'm the center of attention and I don't want to be the center of attention. She said, I didn't ask you about that. I'm letting you know that she needs to go to church. I said, okay. I said, well, maybe I'll go next Sunday. So she she said, okay, you're going to go to church next Sunday. I said, okay. So I kind of like drug it on. I wasn't pressured by, by, you know, either one of them. It was more of a mentorship. Like they was talking positive things to me. But at the time, I didn't want to hear that. I just wanted to know how to get past this storm. Right, you just wanted how, how can I pull these weeds <laughs> right, out like, of my garden and let these flowers I, right, grow? Like, how do I get to the last place that he he's saying? And it was revolving around, you know, something else. But to me, it, it was like, this is, this is for you. So that first week, I, I didn't go to church. Then it felt like, I was storming even more and she didn't like push or anything. I was just walking around. I felt like very depressed. Um, I was very depressed for a, a little while. And um, then something told me, well, I, the Lord, 
I can say that because I, I felt him pushing me. Because it was hard to get out of out of bed. You know, it was hard to keep my mind on the right track. It was hard to even figure out where to get in, to go in that direction. So. And you were still going to the, the Tuesday groups? Yes. It was it was mandatory. That you couldn't okay, get back. Okay, it was past. mandatory. <laughs> so, now, so let me ask Pastor Les mm-hmm. about the, the mandatory programs mm-hmm. that, that you guys have at Triangle Christian mm-hmm. Services. Yeah. Well, what do you guys offer for for the group dynamics and relationship building? Well, it's of course, uh, we have, as uh, Miss January mentioned, we have the uh, Tuesday nights meetings, and um, um, one Tuesday it's uh, it's um, a group meeting, and we just talk about either uh, matters that are going on as a group, or them giving an update and kind of giving a uh, um, support uh, for them being a support group. I'm inspiring each other. And um, it depends on the, 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 the clientele, if you will, who's there. And then um, on the other uh, nights, um, we alternate and we have a one-on-one. And so we um, check in on them to see what their action, how their action plan is going. And so um, as they come through um, at different stages, we may go over their budget or we go over their uh, um, to-do list to see how they're working their plan, you know. Um, what are they doing getting up in the morning and how are they executing moving um, um, to permanent residency and um, fulfilling their vocational dreams or desires? And um, um, so we do that on Tuesday, um, you know, alternate, alternate on Tuesdays. And um, as she already mentioned, we have, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, um, losing my mind. Um, the storming the Tudor, norming? Oh, the, oh. Well, the storming oh. norming. That comes from, uh, as I mentioned, Tuckman model, and the the goal there is to make sure that the uh, clients jail together well, and is to alert them that every group, whether it's a marriage or uh, um, or organization or you know a, a, co- a company and so forth, every group grow through the, goes through the storm the the uh, stages of forming, storming, norming, and then performing, and forming is. Um, when you first get to know someone in a relationship, it's an infatuation and so forth. Uh, storming is when the real you starts popping out and everybody brings in their um, baggage and filters from their past, their perspectives and their own personal, uh, personality quirks and whatnot. And that comes into play. And as you try to um, 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 work together in a community environment. And so my uh, my um, um, encouragement to them is. Um, that you're going to storm, accept that reality, but are you going to storm well? What tools are you going to use to deal with the storm? And then um, depending on how you handle the storm, it depends on how long the storm lasts and then what comes out of it. And if you storm well, you can get to norm. That's where you get to a sense of normalcy and then eventually perform. But then you always have to open the door for the reality that some um, new client needs you who comes into the uh, um, area so my uh, exhortation to them has always been, you are the de facto work- welcoming committee for anyone who comes new into that door. You know, they, you know what they've been through. And so now you help them, you're helping them go through the road, you know, um, um, filter through the crisis, you know. So that's what that is, yeah. And also along with working with, with the women, mm-hmm. you have programs for the children. Yes, too. I meet with the uh, boys um, myself, and um, my desire is to give them, to empower them as young men and to give them a vision of what um, being a mature man looks like. Um, um, they may have, uh, their, their fathers all from different experiences. Everybody's father different experiences. You know, um, some died in wars. Um, some, um, um, one family, their, their, their father passed away from a long-term illness, you know. So everybody has a different circumstances. And so I come with the vantage point of they may not have gotten a chance to um, experience the, the relationship with their father or uh, strong men in their lives. And so I remember my pastor, one of my pastors back in the day, he took all the men through um, a series um, based off of Stu Weber's book, um, the four pillars of a young man's heart, uh, four pillars of a man's heart. So I've uh, modified it a little bit and called it the four pillars of a young man's heart. And we go through um, um, the uh, those four pillars. Um, uh, um, we're calling the young men to be uh, um, a leader, you know, a servant leader. We're also calling them to be 
a tender warrior. We're calling them to be a um, wise mentor and a faithful friend. And so we have hand signs and we've had coloring books and things like that, um, coloring pages, better said. And uh, we put, put together a curriculum to help them see um, there's a vision for your life. And part of, it, part of it as being a man is caring about other people and doing it in a loving way. You have to be a strong man, but strength also means um, loving people. And so um, that's what we want to inspire in them. And so they look forward to it. And if, if it looks like, uh, you know, I went too long in another meeting, they'll come up beside me. Um, you know, Reverend Les, are we going to have a meeting? And, you know, you want to go home or you want to stop. But sometimes we say, no, let's just get to it, you know. And so um, um, we have uh, meetings. And it, it allowed it allowed the uh, the uh, unexpe- unexpected benefit of it is it allowed me to it allowed for me to get permission to speak to them in other areas you know it created a bonding relationship that allowed them to um, respect me in other areas and so um, that's the unexpected benefit of course of you know having this uh, opportunity okay we're going to take another um, break forming storming norming to performing you're listening to Conversation Piece on RJLA, and I am your host, Angela Birdsong, and we will hear more from Les Higgins and January Dove of Triangle Christian Services. How I got over How did I make it over You know my soul back in wonder How did I Make it over How I made it over Going on over All these years You know my soul Look back and wonder How did I make it over Tell me how we got over Had a mighty hard time coming on over. You know my soul look back and wonder how did we make it over? Tell me how we got over. Welcome back to Conversation Peace. I'm your host Angela Birdsong, and we are sitting here with Les Higgins and January Dove of Triangle. Christian services. Pastor Les, you had said that you guys have the the programs for the women that that are mandatory and you do things with the young men with their four pillars of king, warrior, mentor and friend. What what's what goes on with the little girls, with the young women? With the young women, um most of it is done through Mrs. Cook where she provides mentorship for them. Um, she's able, of course, as uh, um, someone who's there um, physically to uh, um, have a better relationship one-on-one with them. And the women, the young ladies, they range from different ages. And so sometimes we may have little small girls, of course. And then in cases where we have teenagers, and if we're having a topic on relationships, then the teenagers will be part of that group. And so it's based off of who's there um, in the uh, community and uh, Miss Cook. Um, does informal um, connection with them as well as um, some of the uh, more mature um, women clients in there. We uh, um, we connect with them as well in how they guide and give uh, wisdom to the young ladies in the community. Now, I know one of the um, programs that you talked about um, off air, and I wanted to get to this real quick. Mm-hmm. Got God, got job. Got ring, then get the prize. What is that about? Well, years ago, as I was starting to have children, and I was a youth pastor back in the day as well, I wanted to give the young ladies a, a blueprint of how um, they and their father or their big brother, whoever in their life, who, who, who's the protective factor, if you will, um, how they can, uh, what are some questions they can ask before they, they uh, date a person? And so uh, I made up a jingle and a song for my daughters, and it basically says, got God, um, got job, got ring, and then you got the prize. And basically it says, uh, got God, does the, does the man have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? 
um, got job? Can he provide for you and your family now? You know, or is he just um, using you for the short term? Um, got ring. Is he willing to marry you right now? You know, and then got the prize. And we know what that is, you know. And so um, my basic basically I was telling them there are certain foundational things that a man needs to have before you should even consider um, the second date, you know. And so um, so the, it, it turned into a jingle. And then, my you know, my daughter sings it and so forth. And and uh, yeah, so that's what it was. That's what it's basically about. Give them a blueprint of how. Uh, they select somebody to be in their life. Now, how can other people do what you guys are doing at, at True Way Missionary Baptist Church with going that extra step that your father did and creating a shelter and building an annex and providing housing for women and children? How, how can other organizations do this? One of the things that could be done is, first of all, having that vision Um recognizing spiritually our responsibility for uh, taking care of those who are in need. And um, um, one of the uh, great things is that there are a lot of church buildings in this community, um, particularly among African-American community. There have been a lot of churches that were raised 1920s, 30s, and 40s, and so forth. And these were large, vibrant churches. And even though some of the members now are seniors and the churches are aging and so forth and some of the um, next generation is scattered and going on and done, done other things, um, still you have that remnant in the community and these uh, facilities. And these facilities could be used to not only give the uh, um, spiritual training that is still in those churches, but also the physical need to meet the physical needs of the community. And so uh, some of your, for example, Sunday school classes could be converted into um, – um, um, bedrooms, you know, with a couple of uh, uh, um, bunk beds and so forth, and you know, and, and some storage facility that's at your church that can be used to um, store the supplies and things like that for people to uh, uh, be in a shelter. So thinking outside of the box and meeting the need that Jesus um, called us to meet, and not just do church, but you know, be the church and and uh, reach out to people's physical needs. Now, what is next for Triangle Services? Well, one of our desires is to um, have a daycare for women who are working there, for the women who's, uh, while they're working their plan, um, um, the children can be um, supervised and so forth. And so uh, we already have uh, the physical facility. We're just now looking to uh, staff that facility. And so we're looking for anyone who either wants to volunteer or who wants to work on a nonprofit uh, um, salary <laughs> um, to uh, um, to uh, take care of the uh, daycare facility. Um, likewise, one of our dreams is to um, help the women to have vocational training. Um, many times some of the women come in, they have vocational training or they um, um, or we outsource it. But uh, we would like to do some in-house work as well. And so one of the things we're looking for is a computer lab. We want to develop a computer lab. So if uh, um, people want to donate uh, computers or laptops that uh, they're no longer using, we'll be grateful for that as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, any uh, donations would be great. Um, they can go to our website, uh, trianglefamily.org, trianglefamily.org, and you can hit the uh, the donate button or you can, um, um, you know, go uh, back, backslash, forward slash or whatever it was, uh, donate. And um, and we can uh, definitely uh, appreciate any cash donations. Um, and then lastly, um, um, clothing. If you have uh, uh, good clothing um, that uh, you can give away, we are open to receive that well. So um, your time, your trinkets and your treasures will be of great use. And you again, you can go to trianglefamily.org. What's the website again? Trianglefamily.org.org. Okay, okay. Good stuff there. So you guys got that, that website, trianglefamily.org. And January, yes. you have any closing things that you would like to say? Um, I would just like to say that um, I'm very appreciative for where I am because not only was it just Miss Cook, it was also Reverend Les's words through um, our groups and the encouragements that he gives through what he says. You know, sometimes a lot a lot of people don't get it, but you you can tell 
the Lord speaks through him because how it how it touches you it, it touches everybody a different way but I I appreciate them very much um because it has helped me strive you know um just the encouragements and the you can do it the prayers just where you are is can benefit and help benefit to where you're going to be and um now I do security and you know my kids they're doing good in school through the tutoring and through his young men's program my my sons they look forward to that you know through that mentorship so it brings out where we were to now and it is even though we've been there for you know a little over a year and sometimes people is like oh you're still in a shelter but then at the same time you don't know where where we were so where we are now is not a battle mm-hmm. you know it's more of a how can i help i'm there but i would like to help too you know you get to be appreciative and to appreciate where you are and to appreciate the people that help bring that it's a lot of love in that shelter and it's a lot of love there so you can't just open up a shelter by those things it has to be you know given to you and the passion behind reverend les and miss cook and the people that work there is very real very real pastor les any any other yes i just want to um I'm appreciative of seeing women like Miss January and what they bring to the shelter. Um, sometimes I get to sit back and see them dialogue with each other. And it was one meeting particularly I just saw how she took control of the meeting and she was given wisdom and guidance and, and practical resources. Because, you know, every woman who's working their plan, they're out, on the, out in the trenches actually connecting with the resources and so she was one meeting I remember just stood out to me. She was able to provide advice and wisdom and just watching the um, newer women who came in just sitting there in awe and eating it up, you know. And um, so it was just great to see just in the time frame that she had been there. Um, you know, I saw the uh, sadness and the um, um, struggle she was having in, on her face when I first met her. And just to see um, her become a leader in the group and just also... Uh, be a blessing in the group and how she, you know, helps, you know, with, uh, you know, monitoring and and giving advice and things like that. And so that's just been a great uh, added blessing that you don't expect when you do something like this. So I just want to thank Miss Janier for that, too. Right. And next time we got to get Miss Cook up in here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get Miss Cook. She's going to tell it like it is. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Well, Conversation Peace Family, you guys have the, the website, trianglefamily.org. You heard what the call is, and there is always a need. Thank you, guys, yeah. for, for coming and, and joining me today. I, I really appreciate you telling your personal story. Thank you. And, and Pastor Les, for you continuing the legacy mm-hmm. of, of your father. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, thank you, Les Higgins, for continuing the legacy of your father, Dr. Frank Higgins Sr., and keeping the doors of Triangle Christian Services open, giving a pathway to home for women and children in need. Thank you, January Dove, for sharing your story of perseverance, resiliency, and struggle to keep your family together. May someone hear you speak today and find their pathway home also. Thank you, Leslie Radford, the visionary of RJLA, Adam Rice, program director. Thank you, Joseph Tucker, for engineering the show. Michael Washington of Watch Soul for the opening and closing theme song. And always you, our RJLA family. Follow us on Radio Justice Facebook. Give us some love. Give us some likes as you listen to us worldwide anytime on RadioJustice.org. To replay, revisit, and review any of our previous shows, please go to RadioJustice.org and click on Conversation Piece. I'm Angela Birdsong. Once again, thank you for allowing me to share this special experience of Conversation Piece on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith. 
Be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love. 